every battle, every heartbreak, every circumstance. Oh, I believe that you are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding place. Oh, I believe that you are the way, the truth, the life. Oh, I believe that you are the way, the truth, the life. Oh, I believe in every blessing, every promise, every breath I take.
So I'd like to read Proverbs 16 for you, but I forgot my phone with my Bible on it. So I'm going to paraphrase it for you. It talks about fear and how we have obstacles that come up in our life. And the Lord is for you. He's with you. And you won't drown in all these problems that you have or all these encounters that you have, but rather the Lord is for you. And he has plans for you. And so the idea is that fear is something that can cripple us at times. And so we're going to overcome that. We're going to sing together of the Lord's goodness and how he's for us. Sing it. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with song. Of deliverance from my enemy till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no
child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God Father, I don't know where we're walking in this morning we're walking in giving you praise just like we did that we are who you say we are that we're not crippled by fear so father we lay it down at, we lay it down at your feet whatever it is I don't know what's happening in this room I don't know where hearts are I don't know how the drive-in was I don't know how the last week was but my prayer is right now is the time that we can give it to you. We love you and we proclaim your name together.
excited about this. God, we love you, and we are just humbled to know that you're here with us, and I pray that as we continue on, we would just know, um, God, we can lay it all at your feet and find peace and rest in this moment. I'm just so humbled. God, you are God, and we are not. We're here on earth. You're here on, you're here on heaven. <laughs> just like Solomon says, lay up, may our words be few. God, thank you that you're so much bigger than us. And so we love you and uh, we just commit the rest of this time to you in Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, make sure you say hello to those around you, okay? We're glad you're here. March Madness. Well, that that happened this past Friday and Saturday. It was so exciting, and uh, there's so many things that I can say about it. But um, we we do have a little video, so go ahead and watch the screens.
man, it, it was, it was, and it was so much fun, Luke. I can't even. I was there, man. It was awesome. to imagine. It was. Yeah, it, I mean, that, that ball was literally enough, like, if I ever needed to, like, a place to stay for the weekend, I could live inside that beach ball. It was <laughs> massive. We had to deflate it just to get it out of the room. It was, it was awesome. It, like, leveled my child. He was standing out there, and the sink came over yeah. thing, and I was like, watch yeah. out. Where's Wyatt? It was Smash. awesome. Yeah, no, he, 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 it, was, it, was, it was a ton of fun. But, you know, as I want to say thank you because it, it could not have happened the way that it did without, first off, without God being in it and, and the prayers that were prayed by people in this room and the people that, that, that are not in the room right now. It couldn't have happened without the 24 volunteers who showed up and, and, and stayed and worked their tails off and loved on those students. It couldn't have happened without Zach and his team and the babysitters who made that happen and, and, and the spouses who stepped up and just did some amazing things. It could not have happened the way it did. There, was, there were 106 high school, middle school students here, and they all heard about the gospel. They all felt the love awesome. of Jesus. They knew that they were valued. It was an incredible night. And I think that the ripple effects from that are going to be seen for and felt for a very long time. Yeah, I, I, it was an awesome experience. So, guys, just continue to thank God for that. We can just get excited about what God's doing here in the student ministry at Crossroads. Can we just thank God for what he's yes. doing? He's on Come the on. move. Yep. Yes. And, and so I just want to say, I'm glad, we're glad that you guys are here. My name is Luke. This is Eric. We're pastors here at Crossroads. And if you pass the folders down the aisle, let us know you're here. We're thankful for you and excited to share the space. Guys, we have a couple things I want to highlight. One is that we have... Uh, our egg hunt coming up on April 13th. It's a Willy Wonka theme. And so do two things. One, get your kids registered. It's free. There's three different spots so that everybody can get eggs. There's 10,000 eggs, people. I hope we go through them all. Let's get more next year. The point is not that we have numbers, but the point is that we have kids that are bringing their families that are hearing about a church that loves Jesus and wants to impact their community. That's the goal. And so we're excited about this. And so talk to Jenny Hoffman. We have people, uh, spots to join the team to help and serve with that event. Please talk to Jenny in the lobby. There's also candy at that table. We'll incentivize you, whatever it takes. You know, I had to keep my kids away from it last night. So make sure you go check that out. Talk to Jenny and she'll get you signed up. We're excited about that event. Also, uh, uh, we have to make sure that we mark our calendars for, uh, it's all in your bulletin, a little save the date sheet, but on April 19th is our Good Friday gathering, and that's going to be at 7 o'clock here in the auditorium. And so we're uh, really um, just, we're humbled at what God's going to do, and it's going to be good stuff. So I want to also say hello to those who are online, because I had one of, uh, somebody actually texted me and said, hey, we're tuning in this morning. So if you're online checking us out, uh, we're so glad that you're joining us. Guys, we've been doing this campaign, this movement called Who's Your One? And so if we have anybody from Indiana, you know, who's your one, right? Can I get a little love? Thank you. Hey, I got four kids, people. I'm allowed dad jokes. Um, But guys, I just want to share, you know, we got people praying for John, Cindy in Pittsburgh, Kelly in Dallas, Justin, Paul, Rich, Dave, and Joanne. And there's about 60 more of these names and more that are not even going to be written down, not even, and not even shared. I am so privileged to do this with you all. As we reach our community, we reach our city for Jesus, and we pray for the one. So who is your one? Grab a bookmark when you leave. All the information's on our website, but we are really um, just praying that God would do a mighty work, and so we're really humbled at that. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering, and, and if you're new with us, we're glad you're here sharing this space with us. And, and just feel free to let the play pass. This is for those that call this church their home. You're more than welcome to participate. But guys, we, um, 
God's going to do a big stuff this morning, and we are um, really humbled. And this series has been the series has been really challenging. I know the last series was challenging. So if you're new this morning, we're in a series called "I Am Jesus in His Own Words." We're looking at the the different "I Am" statements of Jesus. So let's go before the Lord and ask Him to just continue to move in this time. We love you, Jesus, and we are uh, humbled to know you're here with us. And as we as we just uh, we give of our offerings, we give of our finances, our resources. We want to see the mission of lives changed by Jesus. And God, I know that uh, some people this morning are struggling with fear. I know there's so many in our community, um, paycheck to paycheck, even in our own church, paycheck to paycheck. And fear is one that uh, sits at our door and waiting for any gap to jump in and to, to cloud our minds, to plague our hearts. And so we thank you that you split the sea so that we can have a relationship with you, that you split the curtain, that you, you split through our lives, that we could have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. So I pray that we would sing that song of deliverance day in and day out, that we are yours. We are your children. And that no, nothing else in this world can remove us from your hand. We love you, Jesus. And as we give now, we are excited about what you're going to do in this place. Move in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Move in this place. Move us closer to you. Challenge us. And I pray that as we leave here, we would walk out of here ready to go. We love you, Jesus. Amen. As we dig into the I am statements, before we do that, I just want to pause and, and ask you to just to remember a few families in prayer. You know, this week was a, uh, a tough week here at the church. We lost two, two of our dear people, went home to be with the Lord this week. Um, we had Mary Louise Haywood, who'd been a member of this church since 1991. And I remember whenever she came to, to know the Lord, whenever she started walking here in the church and, and uh, just all that God's been done in their family and their family is all here this morning. And so I want to pray for the, uh, the Haywood family on Monday, on Tuesday, Mary Louise went to be with the Lord. On Monday, Barbara Early has been a part of this church similarly as long in the 90s there, uh, moved here and was part of our church. And uh, Rhonda and I were just remembering back when we did our very first dessert theater was down at the library fire hall. She sang in that with us, and I'll never forget that, and just so many fond memories of, of uh, the early family. So that is Chris Hensley's mother, and the Hensleys are up here this morning. We, we love you, and we're praying for you guys, and uh, the Earlies and Hensleys, Mike, Chris, and uh, we, just, uh, we just are praying for you guys and lifting you up in prayer. So if you'd lift those families up in prayer. We have a number of people that are hurting. You know, one of our good guys from Saturday night, George Guthrie, he's, uh, he's having a massive surgery tomorrow. He's got, he's got stage four cancer in his colon. They're going to they're gonna operate on his liver. They're going to operate on his colon all in one tomorrow. So the, we have a lot, of, a lot of needs that are happening, a lot of heavy burdens. So um, if I could, before we get into this, I'd just like to pause and pray for those families, all right? Let's, let's just pray together. God, we come before you, and I just thank you for the, the church family that we have, Lord. What a wonderful family. God, I thank you for these families that, um, that, ha- that you've loaned to us, Lord. You've, uh, you've given us such dear saints, dear people that, 
uh, we could just grow and love and invest in. Lord, we think of Mary Louise Haywood, a very faithful part of our church for, for many, many years, God. So, God, I just pray that uh, you'll put your hand upon the Haywood family. We thank you that Mary Louise is with you, Lord, and I just ask that you'll touch the, uh, the Haywood family as they grieve and as they, they go through this heavy time, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray for the Hensleys and the Earlies this morning. Uh, God, on the, on the loss of Barbara, Lord, we just thank you that she's in your presence. We know that uh, she is uh, with you, Lord, and we thank you for that. But I just pray for both of these families, Lord, and I just ask that you'll put your hand of, uh, of comfort around them as only you can do. God, we think of George Guthrie tomorrow, and we just uh, pray for him as he goes through this massive surgery to deal with this cancer tomorrow. Lord, we just ask for your hand to be done there. And we just ask, Lord, there are so many in our church that are dealing with such heavy, heavy burdens. And Lord, we lift them to you. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, as we continue, we're on to the I am statements. We've been looking at how Jesus talks to us in, in, in the book of John. You see, there are seven statements where he says, I am, and he describes who he is. And we live in a society where everybody kind of wants to make their own Jesus, if you will. People want to make Jesus be who they want him to be. You know, if Jesus is this, then I'll love him, or he'll be my Jesus, he'll be my God, that type of thing. And Jesus even knew that when he was walking the earth. He asked people all the time, he said, who do, uh, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And some people said he was a prophet, some people said he was a good man, he did many great things. But, the, uh, you know, when, when Peter replied and said, you know, you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he said, you have answered well. And so, so what, what he wants to do is he wants to teach us. He's, he's telling us who he is. And so as you see these statements, that John, who is an eyewitness of Jesus throughout the book of, uh, throughout John's uh, epistle here, he's telling us the things that Jesus said. He said, I am. I am. And so we see seven of them. We looked at I am the bread of life. We looked at the, uh, he says, I am, I am the, the light last week. And this morning, as we get into this next statement, I want to ask you this. Have you ever been let down? Have you ever, have you ever trusted somebody and your trust was betrayed? Or, or somebody didn't follow through and they, they just let you down? Um, you know, m- maybe you put your trust in a husband or a wife. Uh, your spouse let you down. Maybe, maybe you put your trust in a friend and your friend let you down. Maybe it was something at work. You put your trust in, in somebody at work in some sort of issue of business and, and you were let down. You know, these are all things. You know, it could be somebody at school uh, for our young people. You put your trust in somebody at school. You know, when you put your trust in somebody, I want you to understand that people are going to let you down. And as we, as we go through this world, we navigate this thing called life. We see that a lot of times we, we, we will trust people and they let us down. And if you haven't been let down, live a little longer, okay? It'll come. Somebody's going to let you down. This is part of the, the human world that we live in. And this morning as we go into this, I want to remind you that Jesus says that, uh, that he will never leave us. He will never fail us. He will protect us over and over, that he's right there beside Inside us. And, and one, of the, one of the ways that he does it is by this statement this morning, I am the good shepherd. Would you read the verse with me? John 10, 11. Let's read it together. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
Uh, so, so here he is. He's telling us that this is a major statement for him to tell us that I am the good shepherd. So there's a few things this morning that I want you to catch out of this because whenever Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he was saying something that the people, that the locals could know, that the locals could understand, all right? Um, when he said, I am the good shepherd, all the people in their day, they understood because it was not uncommon at all to see a shepherd with his flock. And so they understood. It was, it was like instantly they understood. Often said if Jesus came in modern-day Pittsburgh times, he would probably use some yinzer statements, right, you know? He'd be telling you about going downtown and that, right, you know? And, and so as you're, as you're thinking about this, I want you to get in there and because when we hear, I am the good shepherd, we don't have that. It doesn't light up to us. We say, oh, yeah, that's nice, a sheep and shepherd and that. But the, the people that day, they understood. It was a deep part of their culture. I am the good shepherd. As we go through this this morning, the first, the first thing in your notes is this. The good shepherd knows my name. And when we start to understand the power behind that, that the good shepherd knows my name, it, it, it is life transformational. Now look here in uh, John chapter 10, verse 1. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. So Jesus is speaking. He says, he who does not enter the door, uh, enter by the door into the sheep, into the fold of the sheep, to the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way. He is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So what he was talking about here was the, the, uh, a sheepfold um, would be a, a wall that would be about three feet tall, roughly. It was made out of, uh, out of stone and just kind of compiled rocks. Could be twi- uh, branches and things as they put them together. But it would be a, a, like a big circle and there would be an opening at the end of the circle. On one part of the circle, you'd see a few feet opening. If you were in the city, many times they would be a little bit more permanent and there would be a gate that would be put on there. Um, but if you were out in the country, there'd be, there wouldn't be a permanent gate. There would just be an opening there. And so he says this. He says, listen, he says, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door. So he who doesn't come in through that gate there, through that door, he is a thief. He is a robber. But he who comes in by the door is the good shepherd. If you don't come in there, because... Uh, a shepherd cares about a sheep, and a shepherd knows how the sheep work. And a shepherd isn't going isn't to you know, tell the sheep to come over the back wall. Number two, a, shep- a sheep won't climb over the back wall. A-, a sheep can't climb over the back wall. Sheep are not the brightest of animals, okay? And it's kind of interesting that we in the Scripture are known as the sheep, right? Um, so, so I want you to think about that because, you know, as, as, as much we like to think that we're pretty brilliant, we're still referred to as sheep, right? And that's not really a degrading thing. It's really a powerful picture here. It is God says, I am your good shepherd, and you are my sheep. So what he was talking here, he was talking about, he was, first of all, remember, he was talking to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people had known for years that God was their shepherd. And you go through and you look through all the Old Testament, you, you see all throughout the Old Testament the, this language that the people of God are the flock of God, that he is their shepherd. And then you would also see that there would be, they would use shepherd in referring to some of the bad kings that came along, some of the bad leaders. Over in Ezekiel, you read about bad shepherds. And so when you read these things about the bad shepherds, uh, you, you see that, that he's making a contrast between the good and the bad shepherd. And so he says here, look, the, the shepherd is the, the shepherd brings his, his, he comes and goes through the gate. Everybody else is a thief. Uh, to him, uh, to him, the doorkeeper opens, verse three. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own by name and leads them out. 
He puts forth all of his own. He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. So what is kind of interesting is that a shepherd, um, the sheep, they begin to know the, the voice of the shepherd. And God says, I know your name. Now, years ago, I had a friend of mine told me, he said, of all the people in the world, you're one of them. I was like, wow, I feel pretty special right now, you know? Of all the people in the world, I'm one of them, right? And you are not just some number. God does not look at you and say, okay, there's a barcode on the back of your, forehead, on the back of your head, and you are soul number 1.78999. No, no, he says that you are a name. You know, God knew your name before your mother knew your name. That's pretty powerful. God knew everything about you. He knew the day that you would be born. He knew the day you'd take your last breath. He knew that all, and he knows your name, and you are not just some statistic. You are a valued person in the sight of God Almighty. Now, here he starts out. He starts out talking about this whole nation of Israel, and, you know, and he says that the, the, you know, he's going to go in further and talk a little bit about the thieves. But I want you to catch this before we move further about how a shepherd knows his sheep. Because there's, there's a, an intimacy here. There, there's something about how the, the, you know, the shepherd knows his sheep. I, I have a dog. Actually, I should say my wife has a dog. And, uh, and so whenever the dog... Now, this is kind of crazy. We've bell trained the dog. You know, there's a little bell on the door on the back. And when the dog has to go outside, he hits the bell, right? I go... He hits the bell. I go over and I go to open the door. The dog will not go outside. Will not go outside. As a matter of fact, I come, he runs, okay? And listen, I've never done anything to hurt the poor dog. I'm just telling you the truth, okay? I send my wife over, and he goes right out. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like these animals have this little connection here. The, the sheep actually understand the voice of their shepherd. I'm going to show you a video clip here this morning in just a second uh, about, uh, about how sheep know their, the voice of their master, know the voice of their shepherd. Uh, th- this here is a little experiment. They had different people trying to call the sheep in, and then whenever the, uh, whenever whenever the farmer, the shepherd, stands up, uh, watch what happens here. One more time. Oh my God! 
Isn't that powerful? And that's the part where I start running when a bunch of sheep come after you, right? It's just like crazy. But, but you know, when you think about that, there's an intimate relationship there that God's trying to describe to us, that the shepherd knows he cares for his sheep. He knows you by name. Wow, this is so powerful. Um, they, they don't come to the stranger because they do not know the voice of the stranger. Then verse 6 says that this, this parable, this figure of speech that he's sharing with us, that he spoke to them, they did not understand the things that he had been saying. God knows your name. And, and as you start to understand how a shepherd works, a shepherd cares about a sheep, and, and he will do everything to take care of these sheep. And, and we, don't, we don't have that connection. We don't really understand that. That's like so foreign to us. Because, you know, if I were, you know, herding sheep, you know, and today we see our modern day shepherds and, and how things are done, it's just so different. But man, in that day, they understood that a good shepherd really cared about a sheep and a good shepherd would do everything to make sure a sheep were well taken care of. He would provide for them. As a matter of fact, if you go over to Psalm 23, uh, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's, there's nothing else that you need. I have a shepherd. Nothing else. He says he, he, take, he makes me to lay down by green pastures. He takes me to green pastures. Um, he makes me. He, he forces me. He takes care of me. Wow. This is so powerful. One of the things that I read about a, a, a shepherd that they would do is that, it, you know, that, that sheep that keeps going astray, you'd have, you'd have these sheep, and a sheep would keep wandering and start going astray and go all over the place. And, he, you know, the shepherd go out after him, go after him. You know, the shepherd really cared because he didn't want to lose that sheep, and he didn't want that sheep to end up in harm's way, to end up by, by a wolf, by any other animal that could take him down, or to be stuck in the thickets, to be falling off, a, you know, stuck, stuck in harm's way of any sort. What he would do to that one that kept going astray, he would take and he would break the legs of the sheep, and then he would carry the sheep until the legs healed. And from that point on, I mean, just, just imagine all the time being with the shepherd. After the legs healed, they say that the sheep, that sheep would never wander away again and would always be closest to the shepherd. And I think sometimes we look at life. Some of you are going through moments of brokenness. Some of you this morning, man, there's some, there's some broken times, and it's really hard, and it's really, really painful. And I want to encourage you because the good shepherd, you have a good shepherd. If you've trusted Christ and you've come into this relationship with God, he is your good shepherd, and maybe you're in that brokenness, and right now you're on his shoulders. And you can't even see it because your legs are hurting so bad. There's so much pain. You, he is carrying you, and he is wanting to, to heal you, bring you back, and he wants you to be close. He wants you right there. He wants you to be closest to him, and he doesn't want you out in harm's way. And you say, but it was so fun whenever I was wandering out there. Yeah, it always looks fun when you're wandering out there. It always looks fun. And that's what sheep do. You know, sheep, we're, 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 like I said, we're not the brightest. Sheep are not the brightest animal out there. You could put a bunch of sheep together and uh, put them in pasture, and they would just eat and eat and eat and eat. And then whenever all the pasture's gone, they would just kind of feed off of each other, and they would eventually die because they won't move until the leader tells them to move. And God says, you need a good shepherd. And Jesus says, I am that good shepherd. And so when Jesus showed up on the scene, this tension between Jesus and the Pharisees was mounting. And so he went through, he says, I am the bread of life. 
Boy, there were, it says at the end of that chapter, there were many that didn't follow that day. They said, I'm not into this. Uh, and then you come over, he says, I am the light of the world. And now he says, I am the good shepherd who will lay down his life. And so when, when he said that, man, the tension just mounted because they said, man, the good shepherd is God. And so he identified himself as God, but I want you to catch whenever, not only did he identify himself as deity, as who God himself is, but he has also identified himself as, his, uh, as your caretaker, as your provider, as the shepherd who is watching out for you. Um, the, the, what does this mean that he knows my name? It means I am loved. I am loved. That's the next thing to fill out in your notes there this morning. I am loved. Uh, John 10, 7 says, So Jesus said to them again, seeing as they didn't understand, he says, Let me say it to you again. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out, and he'll find pasture. So, so he says, look, th- th- this, is, this is who I am. I am the door. Remember I told you they would, they would make those, uh, the, the, the sheep fold, and there would be a little opening several feet wide? The shepherd, the good shepherd, laid down there at night and would sleep and would become the gate. He would become the door. There was only one way in and out of there. The sheep wouldn't jump over. They're not that smart. They came in and out of the door, and the good shepherd lays down there, and, and it's this picture of love because of his sacrifice. I mean, could you just imagine a, a, a shepherd laying down? Again, our brains, we can't even go there because it's like, why would you do that? But there was this, there was this extreme care, and God says, I have this extreme care. I have this extreme love. I, I have loved you with an everlasting love, he says in the Scripture. And so, so here is our good shepherd. He's laying down. He is the door. He says, I am the door. So, uh, if, you know, if anybody that's going to come, they're going to have to come through me. And then he says, I am. In that very context, I'm sorry, verse 10, he says, this thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so the thieves were the, were the Pharisees. They were coming and they were, trying to, they were trying to take the Old Testament. They were trying to make it all about rules, all about regulations and say, if you just work harder, if you just become a better person, if you follow the Ten Commandments, if you follow our 900 rules that we've made, if you follow all these things, then you will be on your way and you'll be set right with God. And Jesus says, there are thieves and those are the thieves that were coming to steal. And today I say that there are many people in religion that will try and steal you and try and get you to think, if I just become a better person, that I'll get closer to God. And that's not even the heartbeat of God. God cares more about you than he does, uh, than, than you'll ever imagine, than you can ever even think. It's, it's just powerful what he has done for you. And so he says, I am your good shepherd. That's the very next statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. This is the good shepherd. He came that you might have life, that you might have it abundantly, and the thief comes over the backside of the wall and steals it. And so he says, listen, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And then in that very breath, he says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And when he said that, he gave a, it was a prediction of the cross. 
He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. He was, he was referring to the cross. He was going to go to the Christ and he was going to die and pay for my sin. He was going to die and pay for your sin. And so we see this, this interesting dynamic of he knows our name and, and he loves us and he's sacrificing. He is, he is not just saying that he loves. Listen, a good shepherd actually made a sacrifice to lay in the gate, didn't he? And when he laid down in the gate, this is, a, this is a big deal that he's laying in that gate all night and he's protecting the sheep. So there's all this protection. That's the next thing I want you to see is that I am secure. Not only am I loved, not only does God know my name, not only does, do, am I loved, but I am secure because the good shepherd is guarding. The good shepherd is there and he says, look, I am not going to let any wolf come down and take and harm my sheep. I am not going to let that happen. Look what he says here. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. Oh my, there, there's so much richness here. I mean, I, there's so many lessons that you can pull from this this morning. But check this out. He says that, uh, you know, a, a shepherd, when the shepherd was on duty, he's guarding and he's taking care of the sheep. He, has a, he knows every sheep by name. He cares for them. He loves these sheep. And uh, he's making sure that they're secure. But when there's just a hired hand there, whenever danger comes, the hired hand takes off. And whenever the wolf comes, uh, the, 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 the hired hand takes off and runs. And, and I don't know about you, but I've, you know, I thought I saw a wolf, and I explained this last night, the Saturday night service, and then a guy came up to me and said, you didn't see a wolf. So uh, it, it, it probably wasn't a wolf, right? I, I told him I looked out my, out my window one night in Finleyville and saw a wolf, and they said, no, there's no wolves around here, okay? Uh, now I'm from the city, so if I see a German shepherd, I might have thought it was a wolf, Right? So I, I came out here, we're living out here in, in Finleyville, and one night I look out the window, and I'm telling my wife, man, there's, there's a wolf out there or something. And I mean, you know, and it was no German shepherd. <laughs> it was like a vicious animal. It's probably a coyote, right? But, uh, and, and that, listen, I ain't getting no, no coyotes either. That's, that's enough for me, or coyotes, forgive me. That's, that's my old silliness coming out of me, right? But whenever, whenever you see danger come, the hired hand runs from danger. Listen, the, the, the guy who was just hired to sit and guard, he says, when danger comes, I'm taken off. And Jesus says here, listen, I'm going to take care of my sheep. I'm going to guard my sheep. I am no hireling. I am not just here to play some game. I'm not just here to go through the motions. I am here. I'm going to watch my flock. So these are my people. And, I'm going to, and he's saying, listen, that is me. I am the good shepherd. Read throughout all the Old Testament. That's me. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And remember, he's talking to the nation of Israel. He's talking to the Jewish people first. As a matter of fact, you jump over to the verse 16. He says, and there are, there are sheep from another flock. He was talking about us as Gentiles, all the non-Jewish people. So he brings all, he says, listen, I'm going to bring them into the fold. So he's talking, he's going to be the one shepherd over his sheep. He is the good shepherd. And this morning, I want you to understand that you are secure in him and there's nothing out there that's going to, that, that, that he doesn't know about. There's no wolf, there's no danger that he doesn't know about and he's not going to leave his position. He's not going to leave his stand. The good shepherd says, I am the door and I'm going to stay there. And I, there's nothing that's coming your way that I am going to run away from. Now, and that, that is so important 
Because as, as we start to understand this, we understand that you know, a hired, hired hand is just going to run whenever there's danger. I have a, a friend of mine in Ecuador, Daniel Gonzalez. He, he gave me a, uh, uh, this, uh, I guess you'd call it a figurine of a good shepherd. It's up in my office. Because the, the name pastor, the term pastor in the scripture is the same Greek word, shepherd. Uh, whenever you translate pastor over into Spanish, I understand that pa- the pastor and shepherd can be interchanged. I hear those, t- those terms like that. And so he gave me, he says, you are the good shepherd. He says, you've got to be a good shepherd of your flock. And, and that's what we are here. Uh, we stand up and listen. We, we are here to lead, feed, guide, and protect. And so there are so many lessons that we learn from God that, that, that I apply into my life. And I say, okay, you know what? I'm here to feed the flock of God. I'm also here to protect the flock of God. I'm also here. We don't run when there's danger. We don't run when we're tired. We don't run when we're hungry. We run, well, we run faster when we're hungry, right? So it's like we, we run to Jesus and we come to him because he is the good shepherd and he is the ultimate shepherd. And so he is the one who is guarding us. And so verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my, my own and my own know me, even as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Wow. He was telling us he is going to lay down his life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. And so he was talking, not, he's saying, look, I've been talking to you Jewish people. And look, this isn't just for Jewish people. This is for everybody. This is for everybody, just not my immediate audience in front of me. I am going to be, I am the great shepherd, and I'm the one who's going to lay down my life. And you know what he was saying there? He's saying, I'm going to lay down my life, and I am the blameless one. I am the spotless one. I am the only one who can be that lamb of God. And so, switch with me here. The good shepherd says he's the lamb. The good shepherd is the only spotless, blameless, without blemish. He's the Lamb of God, who in probably less than a year's time from that statement will be the sacrifice of God. And he says, I lay down my life for my sheep. And there's, there's a couple ways that you can respond to that this morning. And as you think about that, that demands a response. If God is the good shepherd, he knows your name, he loves you, he wants to secure you. In a relationship with him, he, he offers that and he promises that. If that is, if that is all true, there, there's, there's an opportunity for you this morning. How do you respond to that? And several people respond different ways. And I've had some people tell me this. They say, well, you know what? That's, that can't happen to me. I, I'm too bad. I'm just a bad person, and you don't know what I have done. And you know what? I don't know what you've done. But, that, but God says that there's nobody that's too bad. You cannot outbad the grace of God. There's nothing that you have done that is greater than the grace of God. Uh, there, there's, there, there's, a, there's this idea that somehow we think that God can't do something. God says, listen, I can do it. I have more grace. My grace is abundant. My grace is strong. My grace abounds. And there's nothing that you have done or doing now, or will do, that is going to outgrace the grace of God. 
And, and so, so God says, listen, I love you. I care for you. You are my child. I want you to be my child. And all you have to do this morning is respond to him and, and to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and you know, many people say, well, you don't, you don't understand. I have a very dear friend that I've talked to. We have talked to this person multiple times about Jesus. And this dear friend says, you just don't understand. God can't love me. And I say, yes, he can. And this person says, you don't understand what I've done. And I say, you don't understand grace. You don't understand what the shepherd did. He laid down his life so that you can have abundant life. So that you who are who, who have a list of sins, he laid down his life so that those sins, when he looks at it, will be blameless. And so today, you're, you may be sitting here this morning, you say, wow, I have all these problems, and, I, and I've done all these wrong things, and I have this list, and, and, and you know, I, I feel like I'm so terrible. And God says, no, 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 no. You're my child, if you'll trust him. And so this morning, if, if, you say, if you say that the grace of God, like, like you know, this can't happen, I'm, I'm too bad, well, may, may I take that off the table for you this morning? Because God says nothing that you can do is, that is, is bigger than his grace. His grace covers everything. And then there's the other extreme. And I think this is where sometimes many people will sit. They'll say, well, of course God loves me. Of course he'll forgive me because I'm not as bad as the other person. Ooh, that's a little presumptuous, isn't it? But if we're honest, maybe there was a time we were there and we just compare, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. Oh, I'm a good father. I'm not as bad as that guy. I see he kind of abandons his kids in this and that. Or, or I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not as good as that. I'm not as bad as that other person. And we have somehow this tearing system. And so I, I want to say, give you a few verses here to help with this. First of all, if you say I'm too bad, look at, look at uh, Isaiah 118. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Not Isaiah. Isaiah doesn't say to reason. The Lord says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Though it is deep, though it is dark, though it is ugly, they will be made clean. And that's what God offers us. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to reason, to come and reason together with God. That's what the scripture says, reason. Figure this out. Chew this up. The grace of God cannot, you cannot escape the grace of God. Nothing that you've done will, will cause the grace of God not to be effective and cover you. You know, whenever, you ever been out whenever it's fresh snow? Uh, years ago, I was up in, up in Adirondacks. Uh, I went to school up there, and I'll never forget walking up a mountainside. And, and a, a friend of mine took me out after a fresh six inches of snow. That is like a regular routine up there, right? He took me out after a fresh six inches of snow. I had a big old buck knife. And, you know, that was before those were weapons. You know, it was just a buck knife, you know. So he took this big old buck knife, and we went up the top of this mountain. He goes, he goes look, and, you know, I'm from the city. I'm like, yeah, it's snowing. He goes, look, it's beautiful. And it was the first time that, like, from my little city culture, I said, wow, it is. Because the day before, it was muddy, it was nasty, and all of a sudden, this fresh blanket come over, and it was covered. And you know what? That's what this verse is saying. 
Though our sins are as scarlet, they'll be clean as snow. They'll be fresh, it will be whole. And he says, look what I have done. This is the God who loves you. And then, you know, if you're trying to compare, compare your righteousness, you can only compare your righteousness to God. Uh, you know, there's always somebody that's worse than us, right? That's what we think. And God says, look, uh, over in uh, the book of Romans, he says, for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. So God's called us and he says, look, you subject to the righteousness of God. So there's two extremes. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm so bad. How could God ever love me? Then there's the other extreme of, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not that bad. Of course God loves me. You know what God wants us to do? He wants you to just say thank you. He wants you to receive his gift of eternal life and, and he wants it to invade your life. Look here at Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Folks, he wants you to just receive this gift of eternal life, and he wants you to let it dwell in you. Let it continue to grow. And look what he says. What comes out of our mouth here? This is so powerful. He says that you ought to be admonishing. That means building one another up. This is huge, folks. Build one another up because this, is, this thing has invaded your life. And sing with one another. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, in, in the Old Testament, you go through the book of Psalms and you'll read uh, these the psalms that they would, they would actually sing those songs. They were psalms that they would sing on their way to their yearly pilgrimage to the, to the temple where they would make their annual sacrifice for the atonement of their sins. And, and it's powerful. You see hope all over it. And you know what? That's what we are. We're people of hope because we have a good shepherd. The good shepherd has laid down his life so that you can have eternal life and so that you can have abundant life that begins right here, right now, and continues on. And you know what? Many of us, we're not living like that. We'll put that verse back up there. He says to, to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Could you imagine if you came in this morning and we said, we just started singing, how bad it is, how bad it is. Oh, we're not going to make it. I don't think we can make it till Monday morning. You would run out of here, wouldn't you? But yet that's how many of you sound tomorrow morning. That's how you sound about lunch, about four o'clock after a really tough day and somebody let you down. Folks, the good shepherd, he wants you to respond to him. He loves you, and you are secure. You go further on down, he says, nobody will snatch my sheep from my hand. Nobody. Nobody. No enemy is going to snatch you from the Father's hand. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. If you're, you haven't started a relationship with Jesus this morning, my invitation to you is to, to respond to Jesus and just trust him. Call on him this morning. He wants to be your good shepherd. He wants you to recognize his voice. And maybe this morning you're feeling that tug on your heart. That's God. 
That's the good shepherd. He's speaking to you. And he wants you to be his part of his flock. He wants to know your name. He knows your name. He wants you to know his name. He wants you to know his voice. He wants you to understand his love and his security. So if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Ken, I haven't done that. I haven't started that relationship with Jesus. This morning, I invite you to Jesus. And would you just pray something like this this morning and and just respond to God, just quietly in your heart. Just tell him, say, dear God, I come before you and I need you. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. But you died on the cross. You were buried and you rose again. You laid down your life for mine. And I trust you with my life right here and right now. And for others in this place, I'd like to invite you to come back. Maybe the thief has been messing with you. Maybe it's been the thief of, uh, of, uh, of despair. Maybe it's been the thief of, you just think there's no hope. Maybe it's been the thief of, wow, I thought it was fun out there somewhere. Maybe God needs to break some legs this morning. I don't know what God, what the good shepherd's doing in your heart, but will you respond to him? Would you you just say, dear Jesus, thank you for laying down your life. God, help me to sing those songs. Help me to lift up. Help me on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. God, help me to sing. You are the way the truth and the life I believe you are. God, transform our lives. Would you respond to him? Lord, thank you for your your word this morning. Thank you for the fact that you are the good shepherd, that you're my good shepherd. And Lord, I thank you for each one in here this morning that have just opened their heart to you and for those that are coming home today. In your name we pray. God bless you. You are dismissed.